Welcome to Brazen Education with Educator Barnes, a podcast with a focus on speaking your truth, being transparent to help others, and having no shame about it. Because we can't move forward until the truth is known. Welcome to Brazen Education. It is the last day of March. But we're getting that podcast episode in. This is episode 54, and our topic for today is finding your Ikigai. Now, Ikigai is a Japanese concept that I recently learned about. Ikigai um, is very important because it can help you figure out how to have a more productive life, how to live out your purpose in life, and to um, hopefully have a long life. This term translated into English uh, means reason for being. Also, as we may have may commonly use, your purpose. And I believe that finding your purpose is one of the hardest concepts one of the hardest things to do, and sometimes people feel as if they have found their purpose, and then they feel like, well, maybe I haven't. The first thing I want to say when I talk about this today is that I'm only talking about an aspect of Ikigai, and that is defining your purpose part. Um, sometimes when this topic is talked about, people talk about how uh, it has been westernized, and I believe anytime you take a concept from another place and you transfer over to your life, you are bringing yourself to it. And that's OK. So if you go online and you say, uh, Educator Barnes, that was super cool. I want to learn more about it. And then you come across content that says that this is westernized. I am I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm just saying that today I'm not talking about the whole entire concept. I'm talking about the finding purpose concept. And the Westernization part of that is that that is used a lot by Westerners, Americans, uh, to figure out what their career should be. And as many of you know, I had a career change. I've been on a career journey, to be completely honest with all of you. For new listeners, because I know I picked up a lot of new followers um, during the pandemic. I'll give you a brief background about myself. I am a Hoosier through and through. What does that mean? I was born and raised in good old Indiana. Um, we are known for the Indy 500, uh, cornfields, and soybeans. But there's actually more to Indiana than that. I've been an educator my whole entire career. I went to Purdue University, and I knew when I went to Purdue, I wanted to be an educator. That was something I figured out and I was able to figure it out because of a program that my high school had. I graduated from Lawrence North High School, which is one of the two high schools currently in Lawrence Township. And they had a cadet teaching program that allowed you as a high school student to help in an elementary classroom. And then you actually had classes on campus at your high school to learn more about teaching and to see if teaching would be right for you. That experience helped me understand that teaching would be right for me. Prior to that, I had all types of jobs I was thinking about. I was thinking about being a nurse. I was thinking about being a veterinarian. I thought about being an actuary. I thought about being an accountant. I even thought about being a construction worker. And I liked all of those things. 
And but that was it was those things were things I was interested in, believed that I had the skill and talent to potentially do, but they weren't the things that I felt that was driving my passion. So I knew it was education. I also knew that I wanted to work with students who struggled. So I had a very specific goal in mind. My goal was to graduate from Purdue University with my license in reading 5 through 12 and my license in English language arts 5 through 12 and then work in a high school helping remedial English students. Um, that was very narrow. And I learned when you get out into the workforce, you have this whole thing called supply and demand. You have to go with what is in demand. And I interviewed at tons of high school as, and I just couldn't land an interview. And it was super frustrating to me because at Purdue, we had this interview challenge and I actually won the interview challenge. So I felt pretty confident that I could interview and land a job. There was a principal that told me, and I knew I bombed the interview. Um, so the information I'm about to share with you guys, he was honored that that didn't influence my interview. That was actually, I felt the worst interview to date that I gave. I just was tired. I was off and I, I was just off my game. But he said to me, he said, you really seem like a middle school person. And also when I showed up to the interview, I had my hair back in a bun. I had a nice dress on, nice heels. And I sat in the lobby and I came early because this is an interview. You need to be early. And I didn't know what the principal looked like because the principal's picture was not online. I couldn't find it because I did my research. And I noticed that there was um, a person that kept coming through the office. I didn't think much about it. It was actually the principal. He didn't think I was there for a interview. He thought I was a high school kid waiting to enroll in the school. Um, and I know people say uh, black uh, don't crack. And I mean, I feel like I still look good. Uh, but look, these knees do be cracking and popping. So uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I was like, OK, I, I, I think I think I'm going to try that. And once I started interviewing for middle schools, that was the second place where I clicked. So I started off teaching middle school English for a while. Then I picked up my master's degree in language education, picked up another license. So this is license number three. I'm working with um, uh, uh, speakers um, of English uh, speakers of other languages, um, E-S-O-L, because, you know, when working with uh, emergent bilingual students, we have all types of acronyms out there that we like to use. And so then I picked up that license, P through 12. Then I picked up the P through 12 library media specialist license. And then last, I picked up my uh, building administrator P uh, through 12 license. So that's five licenses for education, for teaching, and then one um, building level administrator. And I've had a job in all of those uh, roles that I'm licensed in. So English teacher for a while. I then transitioned to be an elementary English as a new language teacher. Then I did literacy coaching for three years, working in the elementary setting and in the high school setting. And also when I was a high school literacy coach, I also taught remedial English. So it took me quite a bit into my career to get that high school fix. And I absolutely loved it. Um, it was like a dream come true. And I'm confident that the students that I worked with um, learned how to read. And many of them had not passed I-STEP. At the time, I-STEP was a test that they had to pass to graduate from high school. And if they didn't pass, they had all these hoops they had to get through to prove that they uh, should be um, issued their diploma. After that, I was elementary librarian. And then I was a middle school academic dean co-supervising a middle school. That means I hired teachers. 
Uh, if it was necessary, I had to terminate teachers. I coached staff, did professional development, helped with scheduling, anything admin, uh, time cards, you name it, I did it. But during that time, my father died uh, towards the end of that trajectory. And I kept getting these opportunities to go do other work. And how I would manage that or rationalize that in my brain, I decided that I'll just take off for work here or there and go do these other consulting jobs or these other things. But if anybody knows anything about having a side job or, or the hustling mentality or lifestyle, you know that that's not sustainable. And if you really want to go into business for yourself, you have to get off the fence with having one foot in, um, you know, a traditional job and then one foot out here being an entrepreneur. I am not knocking anybody that's clearly still on that fence because sometimes we got to do what we got to do. And we haven't gotten to a point where we are doing enough work or getting enough work being an entrepreneur to get us to the point of that we can just go and take that leap. But I also assert if you don't go and take the leap, you kind of find yourself in this kind of cycle of not being able to get out. And then you're not making enough, but since you still have a main job, you can't get out and get the other work. It's like a whole thing. So I came across um, an article about this concept. And when I was looking at it, I thought it was really neat. And there is a chart. Um, and if you're watching this um, video uh, wise, you can see the chart. If you are listening audio, because I know I have some down for the cause audio only listeners, please know I'm going to be explicit so you understand what's happening here. So when it comes to this chart, first, I want to emphasize that this chart is not the uh, end all be all the sum of Ikigai. This is just the finding your purpose part of it. And there are four uh, categories that you're supposed to look at. Category one, what you love. Category two, what the world needs. Category three, what you can be paid for. And category four, what you are good at. When all of those circles overlap in the middle, that's where your purpose is. That is where you are supposed to be. So I'm going to walk you through how I rock through this whole journey. And the other part of this chart is that these go in order because when two of the circles align, you have part of getting to your purpose. So the first thing is what you love. The one thing I knew without a shadow of a doubt is I love to teach. I like to instruct. And on top of that, what I didn't mention is starting back in 2013. So I started teaching 2006. In 2013, that's when I got my first opportunity to teach at the college level. And I've been doing so ever since. And I taught psycholinguistics for reading teachers. For those of you that don't know what that is, it's like statistics, but for English, it's like the grammar, the semantics, uh, the syntax, the link, all that stuff. People that are like, I don't want to read a chapter about spelling and the spelling words and whether we should teach spelling or not and have spelling tests. Actually, that is actually one of my favorite chapters to talk about when I um, teach, but I digress. So I knew I wanted to do that. And I also learned it didn't matter whether I was teaching adults or teaching kids. I had a passion for that. And side note, as a kid, I was highly involved in church. I always told people I was at three places in life um, in my childhood, my home, my the school I attended or at church. 
I was at church every single Sunday. If there was second service, I was at the second service. During a week, I was at church because I was in uh, praise dance, uh, praise team, choir, drill team, usher board. There was a play I was in, vacation Bible school. I was participating in it, even teaching that vacation Bible school and then working my way up of being assistant director of vacation Bible school and um, vice president of of our school usher board or our um, church's usher board. And then on top of that, I was the president of our youth at one point in time. And then I helped organize and facilitate our youth revivals. So I say all that to say that I knew I had this niche. And then also in the Christian church world, there's the spiritual gift assessment that you take. And I have taken this sucker three times. I took it once when I was uh, around middle school, early high school age, I took it again when I was in college and dating my husband. And then I took it after that some years after we were married, because I just felt like the first time I took it when I was younger, it had to be off. So I needed to take it two more times. And I was sure I couldn't get different results. Got the same results in the same order every single time. And this was the order. The number one thing was administration. The number two thing was teaching. And the number three thing was service. And to be a teacher, it is a service because you're giving yourself um, and you're helping someone learn something and then take that knowledge and go down a path. And that is a form of service. I know there are some people that don't see teaching that's that way. And uh, this may sound harsh, but I don't think you should be part of the profession if you do not see teaching as a form of service of others as the path to grow yourself. So I knew that that was the thing I loved and I liked order. Um, I, one organization I used to work for, I was told I miss your tenacity. And I know what that means. People will tell you if I'm doing something with Shantae and I tell her what needs to be done, she will get it done. That's what I do. I think about a plan. I'm very good at short-term planning, long-range planning. I think about all the what ifs which ties into my anxiety, because if you have anxiety, you go down every single path of foolery to get back to <laughs> what you're supposed to be doing. Uh, so I'm not. So that's kind of how my anxiety helps me in a way. But then on the other side, it's like, man, I spent like five hours going down these multiple paths and I still haven't completed the task. But regardless of that, if I have a deadline, I hit it. Um, so I knew that's what I loved. The next part of um, Iki guy is what the world needs. On Friday, I had the opportunity to um, go to School 105. Um, it's an elementary school on the east side of Indy, um, part of Indianapolis Public Schools, and they had a career day. First, I was just super hyped that a school district had a career day because career days have just disappeared for some reason. So I was glad to hear that they were back. Secondly, what I was excited about was the fact that people felt I was worthy to speak to kids about finding your career. And third, I wanted to make sure I emphasize the, this part, what the world needs. And, and I have a lot of things that's on my resume, that's on my LinkedIn. So I essentially told the school, pull whatever you want, and I'll talk about those things. So they put the fact that I was an entrepreneur, um, and one of the companies they put down was my publishing company, Brave Brothers Books. And then the fact that I was a podcast host, so like what I'm doing right now. 
And one of the things I talked to the kids about, I talked about my publishing company and my education consulting company. And I said, you can make a business about anything. But if you want to make money to be able to live off of and to take care of yourself, you have to provide a service that is needed in the world. If you're not providing the service that anyone needs, you're not going to get paid for that. Now, if you have a, a nest egg, a trust fund, and you can just do whatever you want and you got money in the bank, boo, do you. But if that is not the case, like most of us, we need to do something that um, the world needs. And as long as there are little people being born, you will need teachers. As long as there are people who want to learn new things, you need teachers. Um, that, so th this, this is something I knew that the world needs. When you know what you love and you know what the world needs, those two overlap and they give you your mission, right? So I knew that my mission was to teach and to help people learn what they needed to learn, whether that was me teaching students how to write and read better and use critical thinking skills and comprehend what they were reading, whether that is working with an adult to help them readjust and realign their lesson plans to ensure students are uh, working, whether that is me working with a principal or a superintendent about long range planning and some um, high level, high scale, big picture things that they need to change to make sure their district goes in a better direction. I knew that that, that was my mission. I knew I could do those things. The third part of a key guys that we have what you love, what the world needs, what can you be paid for? And I feel like what the world needs ties into that. What can you be paid for? I'm an education entrepreneur and some people have like they want to go out and be an education consultant because I see this all the time. Everybody got a little bio and they linked in that. Oh, I'm an education consultant. And I'm like, what contracts do you have? What are you doing? And it's really like they did one side job here and they're not really doing anything. If you want to do education consulting seriously, you need to have a concept of title funds and how you can get paid. If you do not understand that title two is for professional development. And you don't understand how to write a proposal to align with the funding cycle, then you're going to have a problem. So what can you get paid for? How can you get paid uh, for those things? Uh, because and are you going to be paid enough to take care of yourself or is this a situation where you can do this and you're doing something else? So when what um, the world needs aligns with what you can be paid for, you have a job, you have a vocation, you have something that you can do. The last part of a key guy is what you are good at. Yes, I can teach, but there are aspects of teaching that are important. I can align, I can determine the objective, I can backwards plan, and I can make sure we execute a plan. I write really well, so I do a lot of writing. Um, some people that follow me outside of this podcast know that I write a lot. I write at least 10 unique pieces every single month that gets published online. And now that it is spring, finally, um, I'm writing more than that because I write for my gardening site. And for those of you that don't know, um, you can also find me online referring to myself as Gardener Chicole. I had a um, educator who's out here in the world doing her thing thing. And she told me it was so stupid, her words, that I would be online and have two personas per se. And my gardener Chicole persona came first. 
Um, I've gardened for years. Family always wanted tips. So I actually created that for my family to teach them. And then it became this bigger thing. So I had been doing that. I don't know, 2012, 2013, I think is when I came online. I'm not on the, I can't tell off the top of my head. It's been a minute. And then when Educator Barnes became a thing, I put Gardner Chicole kind of under that because, you know, with the edu- gardening is education. There's videos about me talking about how to grow Brussels sprouts. There's videos of me telling you how you can grow your watermelons and pumpkins and cantaloupe vertically. And it's actually, I don't know, there's thousands of views on that particular video and tons of notes. And if you go find that video, please read the comment section because I feel like I'm answering the same questions multiple times. That's okay. But these are things that I knew I was good at. I was good at articulating myself in the written word. I was good at articulating myself orally. I'm good at making a plan. So when you're what you can be paid for is overlying what you're good at, that gives you your profession. And then when what you are good at is overlapping with what you love, that gives you your passion. And a superintendent has said to me, Shante, how do you do all these things? How do you smile so much? Um, I have uh, quite a few reference letters that in my reference letter, my smile is actually put into my reference letter as an asset that I have and that it brings uh, a peace to the environment. And I say it's where my passion is. When I have to tell somebody I can't do something, one of the reasons that could occur is because I have do not have the passion for it anymore. And when I do not have the passion, my passion drives me. My passion is what gets me up at 3.30 a.m. and work all the way to midnight. And that's crazy. So I'm like cutting that down. Real talk. But that's that passion. So when I don't have that passion there, the little fire is like, and ain't nothing happening. So in all of those things, what you love, what the world needs, what you can be paid for and what you're good at all come together. You have Ikigai. If you want to learn more about this, I suggest you check out the book, which is the international bestseller, Ikigai, The Japanese Secret to a Long and Happy Life. And let's talk about that long life piece. If you look um, at Japan, they have one of the highest uh, life expectancy. Men live to be around, I believe it's 81. And then women on average live to be around 89. So I would say that there's something about this that is rooted in some truth because I feel that we shorten our lifespan. We, uh, it's detrimental to us um, physically and emotionally and mentally um, when we are doing things that that is not our purpose. We are actually shortening, shortening our lifespan because we are not operating in our purpose. We haven't found um, the purpose of our lives. So all of that to say is I knew that I needed to work 100% for myself. Now, in complete transparency, I still do stuff at the university level. I absolutely love that. So um, for here and there, I'm still teaching classes at Marion University. I'll be teaching later this year a course about assessment. And then I um, supervise um, student teachers who are um, picking up their ENL license, English as a new language. And so I go and I observe them, give them feedback, and I coach them because it's super important. Because most of the time when I do work around English language learners, I'm the only black person in the room when I'm doing that work. And I think it's important that when you think about English language learners, and I know this is a whole side tangent, but just stay with me for a second, that we think more 
about than just our Spanish speaking English language learners. Typically, especially here in Indiana, most of our English language learners in a school, typically Spanish is their first language, but you can be in schools and school districts where there's 30 languages spoken and there's not the time and attention paid to, to that. And then everything's being translated into Spanish, which doesn't help the kids that, that, that that's not their native language. And also it um, handicaps the teacher. I, when I went to high school and college, I um, learned German. I've only had one student in my whole entire career that spoke German, so I didn't really use it. And I'm doing Duolingo. I think I'm like at an 800 plus day streak, uh, which is crazy because I actually, because some people, I had shared my little thing and some people, because they just guess they don't have no, I, I don't know. I don't know why. They're like, wait a minute. If you've done it for like over 800 days, like you did it the day your dad died, uh, or those who need to know. Uh, my dad passed away close to midnight. So, yeah, I did it the day he died because I had already done it before uh, I went to bed. And then he died. And then the next day I did it out of habit because I needed my brain to be focused somewhere else. But it's just so weird how people like make odd comments like that. I'm like, yeah. And so what? I did. Uh, but it's really important that people know it's not about being able to speak a child's native language is being able to implement skills that will help you regardless of what the student native language is. So that's the type of work I do when I am coaching um, pre-service teachers who are about to graduate and hopefully enter our teaching profession. So back in May, so it's almost going to be a year, guys. Back in May, I started my education consulting business, May of 2021. I started my education consulting business, um, Blazing Brilliance. And as you, some of you guys know, my dad encouraged me to start this business. Um, and he knew about it before he died. And he died on January 2nd, 2021. And I was going to tell him on um, January 3rd, uh, 2021, that I was going to do it. So I never got to tell him that I was going to do it, but I went ahead and, and did it. And uh, it was the best decision of my life. Um, so far, I've been doing work for um, schools outside of Indianapolis. Um, I do work with um, K-12 schools, universities, organizations. I just was on the phone earlier today with a church that is paying for me to come. And when I, when I got called, I was like, I don't know if this is a good fit. But one of the things I've learned from my mentors um, in education consulting is that it's okay to have a conversation. So when I had the conversation, I realized that this church, which I think is super awesome, they're not just feeding the spiritual component for their um, parishioners. They're also helping them with the community aspect. And so they have like a speaker series that happens on the weekend where they bring in people to help. So I was um, suggested because of some of the parent work I do of helping parents understand how to navigate the education system. So I definitely uh, was happy to hear that. I'm like, oh yeah, that does align with my work. Uh, so for me, finding my purpose, my reason for being is what is driving me and is what keeping me um, going and is what is fulfilling my work. And I also believe when you operate in your purpose, you don't have to go out there with that hustle mentality that I got to go get something. It just comes to you because um, to be completely transparent, now that I'm walking in my purpose, 
my whole priorities are shifting. My boundaries are shifting. My mindset is changing. The things that I used to do, I don't do now because I am so focused and ingrained. And then second of all, I got two young young boys that I'm raising. They're they're 11 and I'm raising them up. And I, a, I want them to see what a strong black woman looks like. I want them to see what a woman looks like because I don't want them to ever to perceive that the female is the lesser sex, is the weaker sex, is the is the gender that you just run all over. No, I want them to understand that when you get to that place and if you choose a um a, a wife that that person is your equal. They're not somebody um, that is supposed to be your submissive that you walk all over. And so for me, it was important for me to show my boys what it looks like for a woman to walk in her purpose. And then for my husband and I to show my boys what it looks like for a married couple to be together, walking in their purpose. And how does that dynamic work between those two people? So if you're listening here today, I strongly suggest checking out that book. I strongly suggest taking the time and answering those questions about yourself, because that may mean that what you're currently doing is not the thing that you should keep on doing and that you should change to doing something else. And there is nothing wrong with being at a point in your life to be like, I've been doing this for a while, but I need to shake this up. I need to change it. And if you do decide to do entrepreneurship, uh, my huge tip to you is to make sure you understand your taxes. <laughs> I've never had issues with taxes, but when you make money and, you, and they don't take the taxes out, Uncle Sam still wants his change. So, uh, and I and this is I'm not a financial advisor, but if you don't know, I, I recommend setting thirty percent aside. Um, for federal taxes, 5% aside for uh, state taxes. And then I typically, well, no, typically I do 10% aside for tithes because I'm a tither. Um, and if that's like a biblical concept of giving 10% of what you earn um, back to the ministry, I do that. And then I take another 10% and I save that. And then whatever's left, that's what I live on. But regardless of that, have a plan. And even if you're not even making the same amount of money, I always tell people it's not about just getting out here, getting bread, um, getting chicken to um, African-American vernacular English concept of getting money for those people that don't know. Um, it's not all about that. It's about living in a way that makes you happy. And because I found my purpose, I have been able to create my life. For example, I'm a huge introvert. If you're watching this video wise, I am in my office. I've had an office for two years. I just never am in it. The desk, which you cannot see, is actually my father's desk. Um, that was one of the things I got after he passed away. And behind me, there is a picture of me and my dad. And in front of that picture is my first name, Sean Tay, which is spelled S-H-A-W-N-T-A. Um, yeah, I like that RuPaul song. Do not sing that RuPaul song around me. It won't be good for you. Uh, my dad actually carved my name into that piece of wood. And that's why I put it there. And I also just love when I'm doing something that's a visual to just see that. Um, and then behind me are two of the books my publishing company has published. Uh, but these are just... These are just some of these important things because now, because I'm highly introverted, I have social anxiety. I try to not leave my house <laughs> uh, Friday through Monday. So I try to like do anything that requires me like work wise. 
between Tuesday and Thursday. On um, Monday and Friday, I like to stay home because I like one a four day weekend. And I do that. I'm still working like in my office, doing paperwork, paying estimated taxes, doing proposals, because now I'm in the cycle of doing proposals. Uh, some of my contracts got renewed and some didn't. It's not because of anything I did. It's just some contracts were set up to be renewed. They were like a one and done thing. Uh, so there's, so I'm working out that, making new plans, uh, signing things, and I always use a contract. Um, that's my other advice if you do entrepreneurship, because uh, even if it's your friend, you want to have that stuff on paper. Um, so I always issue a contract. And then with my experiences, I add and tighten up things here or there, but 2022 has been one of the best years of my life. The only thing that would make this year better is if my dad was here to see all the things I'm doing, um, but that's okay. I, my dad's death helped me get into my purpose because I, I wasn't using him as a crutch for me not to be in my purpose. And what I mean by that is, you know, if something was going to go wrong, I'm like, oh, let's talk to my dad about all this work. But now it's like, it's me. Like, I got to do, I got to do it. My dad's not going to be here to push me. I got to push it, push it for myself. I got to want to walk in my purpose. I can't depend on my dad pushing me into my purpose. Because when someone's trying to push you towards your purpose and you kind of got your feet down breaking, you're not going anywhere. So one of the, if there's an upside of my dad not being here is that if, forced me to get off the brakes, put my feet down and walk forward without being pushed. And when you walk forward without being pushed and you're doing that step by step, day by day, putting your foot in front of each other, um, it's a wonderful thing. So this is just the beginning. I haven't done it. I don't think I've done a podcast episode in a while where it's just me talking. So if you're like, man, get these guests back on here. Don't worry. The guests will be back. But I wanted to hop on here and I have some great announcements that I can't say yet. Oh, I can't wait to tell you guys about some things that are coming up. And very few people know about some of these things, but it's awesome. So thanks so much for tuning in to our March episode of Brazen Education. Tune back in in April, because as you know, in 2022, I am committing to doing one podcast episode a month. I may do more, but I will not um, uh, do less than one episode a month. And I barely got it in today on March 31st. Well, thank you so much for listening and I will see you guys later.